Gaming NBS episode 149 coming to you July 17th, 18th, 2017. Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brett. Ha, ah, and I'm Sean. No. <laughs> I'm Brett, that's Sean. What? Just... what? Hey, Brett, anyway. I, I can't even knock you off your game, man. You're just no, on it. I'm just too on the game. You know what just struck me as you said episode 149, and I'm like, son of a bitch, we're almost at 150. It feels like that should be an important number. Yeah. Eh. Anyway. <laughs> I think hundreds the milestone. I mean, hundred is a big milestone. We had a big deal at fifty and hundred. We kind of danced around, but I think two hundred we might do something cool. We'll see. That seems so far away. It does. It does indeed. Anyway, I think our egos will get in the way and we'll end up breaking up. Probably. I, I anticipate some sort of a cat fight. It's going to happen at some phase here, like like yeah. a motorcycle jousting accident or something. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. But that would it be? It would be yeah, already. I mean, how, how have we lasted this long? Oh, well, enough about us. Announcements. Let's do. Um, you know what? I gotta. I gotta start off with this one. Is Ray Otis? <clears throat> oh my God! Oh my God! Ray Otis. Uh, zip. <clears throat> Last episode, we casually threw out. You know, man, it'd be really cool to have like a Zip Zaps T-shirt or something cool like that. We just don't know how to draw. And Ray Otis, the man, the legend, says, oh, I can do that. And pow, uh, we've got Zip Zap art. So uh, hope, <laughs> I think we've got the right files and everything we can get out there so uh, people can buy the shirt. I just think that's freaking cool. Thank you, Ray. The other thing we got to see if we can turn it into a shirt is if we can get a hold of uh, VC and see if we can do something with the uh, incredibly awesome uh, map that he did uh, from our our uh, album art. <clears throat> got to see if we can do something with that, too. But uh for the time being, uh, Ray, Mr. Otis, sir, thank you. Thank you very much. That is some damn cool stuff, brother. Yeah, thank you so much, Ray. Um, yes, it's, it'll be – we've even got somebody that's offered to laser cut that out of, like, metal. I think Jesse Robinson is like, hey, you know, I can get that laser cut for you. I'm like, sure, dude, whatever. Let me know how much it costs. And That could be a cool, like, uh, thing to have in a booth or I, – I think I threw out – It'd be really cool to have drink coasters, although that might yeah. be not as easy to pull off. But anyway, still pretty freaking cool. Yeah, very cool. Um, side note stuff here. The Avalon Kickstarter, I'm going to be talking with um, Chris Nizak this coming week and hopefully get some more details ironed out. So when I got more ammo, I will let everybody here know what's going down. Let's see here. GameOlcon, Sean, has anything new? Has anybody new signed up to run any games for us? Or under our banner, not for us. Cause, oh, uh, new, I don't know. So here's kind of the deal, though. I talked to Alex on Twitter, and the search function was quite a bit messed up. Um, not, And I, then they're like, fixed it. And then I'm like, great. And then I went and checked, and it was still messed up. So the long story short is it was case-sensitive. It wasn't case-sensitive. Now it is not. So if you just put gaming and BS and try the ampersand and, and the ampersand and – um, you you should get the same results and get everything that is being run under gaming and BS because um, it was getting some funky results. Now it should all be fixed. I don't know who has submitted since our last show, but I know that Kevin has upped his amount of games that he has 
submitted. Um, and it's, it's, and I got to apologize to Eric Farmer. I like Eric with a C Eric there. Okay. Sorry, buddy. I like tank. I must've got Eric Tankar's Eric spelling messed up with farmers. Um, and he actually let me know about the name of his game that he is running, which now escapes my brain. Is that the dogs and hats solving crimes? It is, but that's not the name of the game. Okay. But anyways, tons of games, man. Lots of stuff going on. Brett, and here's the thing. So, Brett, you may not be there. Well, the yeah, the unfortunate thing that could happen is, I've said this before, but my son uh, goes Air Force Basic if he's out of basic and it's his graduation weekend. Uh, I'm going that. So, I love y'all, but I got to see my son graduate from basic. So. so, what I'm thinking is, is if Brett does not make it, I... He has two games submitted. I don't know when they are. I'm hoping they're not during a seminar that we want to record. And if that is the case, what I may try to do is if those folks sign up for his game and aren't able to, and he's not able to make it, I can't speak for both slots, but one of them I will probably set my game, an off-the-grid game, to the side and then fill in for Brett if he if he's not there. Now, I can't do for both, but it'll be one or the other. So you'll either have Brett or a facsimile of Brett running a game for you. I'm going to come with Beard, and I will come with um, – uh, well, I can't come with a gun. They'll never let me do that. No, no, no. But you got to wear a kilt or get one of your wife's skirts. You can pull that off. you got the legs. Yes. That's right. Brett r- wears his kilt the entire weekend. Mm-hmm. I haven't confirmed it's a kilt. It is totally a kilt. Well – because if, only... if you wear underwear, it's a skirt. That's the joke. There's right? the only one way to know, right? Correct. So anyway, yeah. before we get crazier on that, how about we just move on to random encounter before okay. this okay. evolves? Okay. Randoms encounters. You gonna start? Or you want me to start? There, I'll hero. let uh, I'll let you start up, buddy. Unveiling the mystery. Crim fan writes. Great topic. Coming off running something like that, and it got frustrating, partly for things I did that you guys laid out nicely, but in other cases, due to the players not using some of the tools provided, such as reading post-session written recaps, and an unwillingness to ask questions or draw conclusions, or engage with the story that was not in their character's immediate myopic interests. Finally deciding to just use DM Fiat to bring things to a graceful-ish end helped my peace of mind, though, I really didn't like it. Uh, ultimately, that was a story that would have worked for other groups, but not this one. I really agree with Sean's roll with it and was running that way, but this group, nope. So a little bit of a little struggle that Crimfan has encountered. Well, I'll tell you, and Crimfan, you know, like, like you said, would have worked with a different group, but not this one. And sometimes you don't necessarily, I mean, I don't know how old some groups are as far as how long they've all been together. Not everybody has the, um, you know, the, the luxury of, like, I've got a gaming group that's 20 plus years old. Sean's game with people that he's known for a very long time. Um, if I sit down to game with Kevin and uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, I pretty much know how to get Kevin over here, give him some good data, blah, blah, blah. And if you're gaming with people that you're newer with or you're trying something different, um, sometimes it'll fail or it just won't work as smoothly as you like. But uh, it sounds like it wasn't a horrible train wreck. So, uh, all right, Krim fan, good uh, good stuff, man. Keep 
keep trying. <laughs> and maybe there's a different way to get that group uh, rolled around and maybe get them back onto something there. So good luck. All right, Peter uh, Scanis offers up a helpful blog run by Justin Alexander. In talking about mysteries, I've struggled with writing uh, player-proof mysteries in the past, so recently when running a campaign, I wanted to get some help. I found this really useful blog post on the three-clue rule by Justin Alexander. It clarified a lot of my thinking and helped me look at my plot-slash-mystery in a different way. We have a link in the show notes to the blog by Justin Alexander. I've not had a chance to dig into that myself, Peter, but um, I'm definitely going to because... You know, shows like this and articles or anything on game mastering or how to be a better player, how to tips, tricks, tools, blah, blah, blah. Even if you, Sean, I've said this before, you can look at it and go, oh, wow, I do all that stuff. Neat. That's confirmation I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Or you see something and say, wow, I could be doing it slightly different than I am right now. Or you may say, there's nothing here. This is all garbage. Absolutely fine, too. So the cool part about this hobby is just all the different, I shouldn't say the cool, one of the cool things all the different perspectives and options we have. And the World Wide Webs makes it so awesome to get just loaded down with good advice and ideas. So, very cool. Christopher Gray calls BS on mass combat. Do all right. I, got, I just poured myself a drink. Get going. All right. Sit back, relax for this one, Brett. Oh, snap. I can't believe I'm writing a calling BS email. What have I done? I'm about to disagree with my northern brothers from other mothers. I was very excited to see the topic, though it did take me a full week to catch up and listen. I love mass combat and have even integrated some of it on my DM's Guild adventures. So I wanted to hear your take. And here's the thing. You didn't actually talk about mass combat. Well... A bit toward the end, but most of your discussion was about mass combat as a setting, not mass combat as a type of combat. Playing in a squad to achieve an objective while war blows up around you isn't mass combat. That's regular gameplay done in the setting of a war. I think there's a whole discussion that can happen about actually using mass combat in your tabletop game without it turning into a war game. This will inevitably devolve into mechanics, but there are some best practices that will work across systems. Practice number one. Divide the multitudes into manageable units with single stats and abilities. An army of 1,000 kobolds? How about 10 units of 100 kobolds? Each with one attack bonus and combined damage and hit points. Practice number two. Give the NPCs to the players. So now they are rolling for all the good guy units against your bad guy units. Now they are personally involved in the combat. Simply put the good guy units in whatever initiative system the game uses. Practice number three. Zoom into the player characters. While the units are fighting each other during regular turn order, players controlling the good guys see practice number two above, they also get to play their characters as well, effectively zooming into their particular moment within the larger combat. That's it. If you do those three things, mass combat can usually slip right into the regular system and players get to have direct impact on large-scale battles without having to break out their Warhammer collection. I like Sean's idea about using skill contests. Thank you very much. That's pretty clever, but I don't think it would feel very epic to play. 
Ooh. All right, fine. Having done this several times in 5e, I could tell you that mass combat in the hands of players makes for memorable Helm's Deep style moments. And why mass combat? Some stories demand it. My year-long campaign is about city-states mobilizing against armies of fiends. They have long, Steven Erickson-style marches, huge city-wide sieges, and tens of thousands of participants. Now, while the player characters themselves are usually not direct directly around as the armies are doing their thing, they've come to a head at several plot-critical intervals and participated in some heavy warfare before moving into their important mission. Mass combat can dramatically enrich a campaign, but as you say, only in small doses. They are great for story arc climaxes, but not for regular play. I forgive you for discussing mass combat as a setting, and not as type of combat. Keep up the good work. Well, that was nice. We got slapped a little bit, but not too hard. No, it was a, it was a general, it was a gentleman's slap. It was indeed. <laughs> That's not even such a thing. <laughs> yes, it is. It is? <laughs> yes, it was a gentlemanly uh, left cross to the uh, to the jaw. Christopher, I'll tell you what, man. We tried to say it at the be kind of at the top of the show. I th- at least not the top, at least the top of the topic. Um, tried to get into the hey, um, there's a couple of ways to digest this. I really think between this feedback and some of the other stuff we've gotten around mass combat, we've had honestly better insights into mass combat as a tact- as a mechanical component than Sean and I had kind of in our heads. I was honestly more concerned about the the setting slash story ramifications and trying to ferret out why I'd even want to do it and the different story-based kind of variations thereof. But uh, I like what you have here. I like this concept, these these uh, three basic practices you have here. I do think they would definitely work across most systems and uh, be easily enough, easily enough implemented. So thank you very much, Mr. Gray. All right. Well, continue, continuing on the mass combat, we have Tim Stone. Timothy Stone continues up. He says, work uh, work got the best of me, Brett B. and Sean. I had big plans with Roger Braslett, and I had to collaborate on a response. Poof, time passes, and here I am too late. No, no, Timothy, you're not. We're here for you. You're right in. That's we right. see it. That's right. You could write us in a year about an episode we did two years ago. And Our- Dosh gone it. We may even put it in the show. Because we don't have anything else to put in it. Our And our memories are bad enough, we would probably think it was the last episode. We're not sure. And we would change our complete stance. Absolutely, by then. Because, <laughs> why not? We are, we're we a bunch of fickle little little uh, little kids. That's what we are. Anyway, Timothy continues on with something much more intelligent than what we had. Uh, in the past couple of years, I've playtested a set of mass battle rules for Warhammer, Fantasy Role Playing 2E, working from the Savage Worlds rule set. As noted by Carlin Kendrick, I ran a proto version with my players, including Roger Braslett, and then refined version at WayneCon 2016 with Wayne Snyder and a few others. Well, that's pretty cool. In the last two weeks, Roger and party repelled a greenskin incursion on the Skull River at the edge of the Badlands. It was a quick and, uh, in my honest opinion, the rules... Um, and Savage Rules, by extension, directly involved the players. Roger held back enthusiastic praise, I think, as mass battle rules in general muddle the PC involvement. Um, I may disagree with nuance, but concede it could have been uh, could have been the GM. Savage Rules, I think, does this on purpose, but purposely involves the PCs with skill rolls. Now comes that affect the next battle round. Roger's PC got beat up in the first round and resulted in a low weapon skill roll. 
Uh, the coarse-grained outcomes are on purpose, and Savage Rules notes this. Each round is intended to abstract many rounds of ebb and flow on the line. Rogers' outcome was one round on the table, but narratively was intended to be many rounds, uh, e.g. 10 minutes, 30 minutes, or even an hour of battle. A 50% hit point loss represented its turn, quote-unquote. Could the PCs die in one or two rounds? Yes. Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay is supposed to be deadly. I generally don't dial that to 11. And death of PCs is another topic. On topic, though, if your PC wades into the hordes of the at the gate of Helm's Deep, getting hit, cut, stabbed, and skewered is a real possibility. And yes, I concede we all want Aragorn from the movies at the table, but where's the story and drama in never being threatened by an opponent's sword? End. Good stuff, Timothy. I like that. I think there is... Um, I, I'm seeing a theme here, and maybe we'll get a couple more from listeners as time goes on, but I think there's a general theme where people like to uh, pull a zip-zap and roll their own when it comes to mass combat. Zip-zap? Uh, Zip-zap. I'm, I'm trying to verb it. I'm trying to make Zig- it into a verb. Zigzags, you square. Zigzags, you square. Squares really tells you. Anyway, I think it's interesting. I think people tend to roll their own when it comes to some of these uh, mass combat components. And um, Savage Rolls has it baked in, and I'm pretty sure... Other systems may have it baked in, but it feels like, from what we're reading from listeners anyway, that people are kind of scrounging around and uh, house ruling some good stuff, trying to pull the best of breed from each different system that they've got uh, access to. So, interesting, interesting. Thank you, Mr. Stone. Over to you, Sean. Josh Anderson from Facebook. Facebook? What? Comments on mass combat, so he messaged us. So to those people looking for a good mascot battle system, I would point them towards L5R, which is a game I am not familiar with. I know what L5R is, but I don't own it, never seen it, and I know it's quite intense. That is Legend of the Five Rings by Atlas Games, and that is one of John Wick's earlier large-scale babies from back in the day. So anyway, carry on. Have you ever ever played Brett? I have not. L5R was one of those games like, wow, that looks really interesting. But I, at the time, I think that came out around the time I was getting into Vampire or something else. And uh, with limited pocket money, I was dumping my money on a different gaming system. Now, of course, that I'm rolling around in cash with this crazy podcast money, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm scrounging up free PDFs from people. No, I'm kidding. Um, now that I've got a little bit more disposable income and picking up more games, I kind of wish L5R had landed now. And uh, the only thing that stops me from diving too deep into it is the volume of uh, work that would take to really get up to speed on it. Anyway, I will shut up and let you go. Continuing on with Josh, you start out by assigning a value to each force. The system gives guidelines for this. Next, if you have a social character, they can make an inspirational speech to raise that value a bit, inspiring the troops, right? Each player rolls against the difficulty to see how they are doing with results leeching leeching a number of wounds and spell slots from those who use them and gain glory, an actual stat in L5R. Also, the players get access to heroic opportunities or zoom-in moments that present a specific challenge and a turn limit to succeed in overcoming it. If a player is successful, they raise the force value of their side, thus showing in a concrete way how this specific person is helping sway the battle. It's even designed, I... In such a way, it's even designed in such a way that you can have players on opposite sides of the fight 
or even commanding those forces themselves. Force leaders get special options throughout this whole affair without having to fight each other directly. It abstracts the battle as a whole, but gives big impressive moments for the players to indulge in to actively sway the outcome. Nothing like the chance to take a shot at the enemy commander and one shooting him with your berserker. That's good stuff. You know, and Josh Josh is also calling something else to my attention. I don't know if people kind of roll in their own on some of this stuff, but what Josh calls out here, it abstracts the battle as a whole. And that seems to be a theme that we've gotten back. We talked about it. Um as well as just about every listener who's written in has talked about it as well, kind of this concept of abstracting it so that you don't turn it into an honest-to-God Warhammer fantasy battles where you've got individual units on a table and we're actually playing a war game. So I think the abstracted approach is the uh, middle ground between actual you know, tables of terrain and miniatures and so on versus an RPG. Hmm. 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 Indeed. Good stuff, though, Josh. Thank you very much, sir. Very well, Josh. All right. Edward Nagy emails about pre-gens versus zip-zapping your character. After listening to your podcast, save perhaps most recent podcast on the original Top Secret, and being reminded of a recent ad hoc game of Zero Ed D&D at North Texas, I was thinking that an important differentiator between when to use pre-gens and when to let players make their own is the randomness of character gen. You touched on this with DCC, but any game where most of the decisions are out of the player's hands is both a good option for letting them make their own, uh, because without analysis, it's pretty quick, and a good option for pregens. It really doesn't matter who rolls the dice. So for DCC, and now MCC, Mutant Crow Classics for the uninitiated. That's my little side, not his. He's much nicer than I am. Anyway, back. Uh, the character is completely random, at least for level zeros. GM, player, or purple sorcerer all make the same characters. For zero ed D&D with 3d6 in order, 3d6 times 10 starting money and only a couple choices, players can quickly make PCs at, uh, at the table to start a con game. Or the DM can because it really doesn't matter. For point by systems, it makes sense to have players make characters for long-term games uh, so they can, ha- uh, they can get what they want and for GMs to provide them for short-term games. Analysis paralysis should be avoided at the con. In general, as you so aptly pointed out, it depends. I've often provided characters and let players choose um, some starting equipment or choose a magic item or choose spells. While listening to your cast, I started wondering if it would be possible to make a Power of the Apocalypse-style playbooks for 5e. Here's your fighter. fighter. Circle these things. It would be easy for first-level PCs and probably doable up through third. After that, I think they uh, might start to get long. I might look into this for my next 5e con game, though. Your plan of letting players choose personalities and connectivity works great for games where the story... <clears throat> either doesn't tie too closely to the character's choices or is developed to include their choices improvisationally. For Dungeon Crawl and other loose games, I typically provide at least 50% more PCs than I expect at con games, both to allow for unexpected death and to give the players some choices. If the game has a story wrapped closely around the PCs, often true of Call of Cthulhu, I tend to have just one extra in case of an unexpected player. A completely different topic I've been thinking about a lot uh, is module translation. I've done some work for small publishers translating their games from Pathfinder to Swords and Wizardry, Swords and Wizardry to 5e, Pathfinder to 5e. I also listen to some folks talk about translating between Call of Cthulhu, Trailer Cthulhu, and Cthulhu Dark. It's been interesting to think about what the different systems focus on and how to preserve the intent of the adventure while playing to the strengths of the system. For example, uh, Zero Ed 
D&D uh, to a lesser extent AD&D were chock full of save or die, and players of those games expect that. When rewriting a 1E adventure for 5E, how much do you keep? Pathfinder's chock full of fine gradations in difficulty and power, different quality longswords, classifications of door strength, etc. Zero Ed has weapons doing D6 and doors opening on an open doors check. If a Pathfinder adventure hinges on these technicalities, how can that fun be ported over into a simpler system? I'd love to hear your thoughts on what, on when you let the adventure control and uh, when, excuse me, uh, your thoughts on when you would let the adventure control and when the system. I also thought, and also thoughts on what sorts of things feel intrinsic to various systems and additions, without getting into subjective debates, which are, uh, <laughs> over which are better, of course. Uh, anyway, a little bit long, but thank you much. Ciao. Very nice. Keep up the great BS. Edwin of Maine. Well, Edwin, thanks, man. That's good stuff. I like the I like your thoughts around the uh, the pregens versus rolling your own. And uh, the question here at the end, that's got me thinking. I'll have to throw that into the old uh, hopper for a topic. So that one goes into the bin. Get to the hopper. Get to the hopper. Pull out the topic from the hopper. Exactly. Thanks, everybody, for writing in. Very insightful, very good stuff. Much appreciated. I hope some of the other folks uh, appreciate it as much as we do. I'm sure they do. Shall we we get... Shall we? We shall. The Queen says we're discussing what this evening, Brett? (laughs) All right, so when... uh... Sean and I hopped on the bikes, uh, rode down to the Pig and Guzzle to swap games with uh, Hobbs and a few other folks. VC Young was one of the people there. It was uh, VC Wayne. We had Bird, uh, and we were all hanging out. And uh, VC and I are sitting at a bar, having a snack, drinking a brew. And uh, VC says, you know what, man? Um, there's a, here's a topic for you about the downtime between sessions. And I said, whatever do you mean, VC? And he said, well, you know, when those you've got weekly games, biweekly, monthly or and I mentioned even yearly, and and he said, yeah, there, there's different needs and wants perhaps to have that much space in between sessions. And it came up because VC has a group right now that's meeting every week, and he was talking about how it seemed to perhaps not be the right cadence for that crew, and he was thinking about how to change things up, whatever. And I had uh, sagely pointed out that perhaps he was meeting too often, and maybe the group needed to a bi-weekly game, or maybe even a monthly game, which, of course, led to what the hell goes on with that. So, anyway, Sean, let's talk about um, time in between the game sessions. And I'm not necessarily worried about player characters, per se. I'm talking more about players and game masters here, right? Why would I want to do it? Why wouldn't I? And so on. Um, so, why would you want to have um, X amount of time between games? I mean, weekly seems like it's this... Uh, we're not in we're not in high school anymore. We can game every week all the time. Oh, but then again, some... I know, I know. <laughs> some people are able to game every week, and some people can't. Um... <laughs> this means Sean has nothing to say for this whole episode. It's gonna be Brett talking to a soundboard. This will be Brett, great. Brett will point out the goods and the bads, and I will adequately play the the appropriate effect. Very nice, Sean. Is there a reason why you schedule games the way you do? Do you do you play every week? Let's just ask that. Do you play every week or every other? I, I do not play every. I do not play every week. I used to, but I did not play every week with the same group. And frankly, I'm a little pissed off today. 
Why is that, Sean? Well, because, Brett, um, so we're scheduled to play Tuesday. Me, my group that I do face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And my buddy Brian, who some have met at GameholeCon. Did he bail he's, No, no. Well, he's got like a business trip, but he's like, I'm not going to be there Tuesday. But that a player misses, it's not a big deal. So he texts the whole group, hey, so our GM got hurt, like pretty bad, like surgery hurt. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> That's right. not good. So, no. And so she was unable to like, okay, we play every other week. Mm-hmm. So she got hurt. I don't remember if it was the on week or off week, regard, it doesn't matter. And then, so we couldn't play the week she had hurt or the week after surgery. Then the next time came around, I think it was like the holiday. Then the next one that came around was time to play. And, or it was, so last time it was holiday, we're not going to play. And she was still kind of uh, laid up. And then this time, still still not going to be able to. Now, which is fine. I totally get that. But, you know, did she just realize this? And it was it, was it only responded, re, the response only came because Brian texted everybody. He's like, hey, it's Sunday. Are we still playing Tuesday? And of course, no, we're not. So literally, I haven't played a game in like two months at least. You're DTing, man. I am, totally. Well, and so my buddy Doc... So my buddy Doc, he's a pretty reasonable guy. But if you're a GM and you start to flake, he will call you to the floor and say, "You're you, we're we're starting another game. You're not you're not pulling your weight." Now, because of the situation and and this um, person being hurt, I think Doc's had a little latitude for sure. Well, that's but, tough. That's, that's kind of rough to be a hard ass on somebody. Hey, Sean. Right. I see. Uh, right. You had you had open heart surgery. Get your ass to the fucking game. What's well, wrong uh, with you, bitches? Come on, man. Hey, yeah, that that's hard to do. So it's not open heart surgery. I, I know. I'm just saying though. It's, and it's I, not brain surgery. Well, it's not. It's nothing. It's nothing that's gonna kill her. <laughs> I mean, that's, let's draw the line, Christ. Well, I'm just saying. There's. <laughs> anyway, you know, point, for point, me point. being a, a callous, a callous, emotionless son of a bitch. I want to make sure that everybody knows that she's not going to die. Okay, good. That's very true. You know, it might have been like a broken limb or something that had to be reset and surgically, like, you know, maybe removed and put in like an iron, you know, titanium rod or something. But, you know, there's no death involved here. So you can still roll dice, goddammit. Anyway, no, but I, I get, anyways, anyway, so the, so the, so the thing is, I, so (laughs) I, I play, I play, (laughs) I play every other, you're injured. Fuck you, D. I'm getting to the goddamn table. Wheel that chair up here. I'm getting back to your goddamn question. All right, go ahead. So I play at once every two weeks. Currently, I know Brian's wants to start up another, every other week, like alternating the one that I don't, when I am not playing, he wants to start up one. Um, but so. Having said that, I play right now as it stands every other week. That's not bad. So my no, schedule, my schedule when um, when all things are firing is every other week with uh, for the actual play for the Wednesday evening podcast thing that uh, Chris set up. That's where Streets of Avalon is. So now, how long do you guys play? For? Um, uh, usually if we start at seven, we go till like ten, eleven. Three, okay, four hours. So three, four hours. Okay. That's not bad. And then once a month, I have three other games that I go up to in my hometown. And then I run Lamentations, and I run DCC, and then Alpha is running the uh, Ravenloft game. 
So I'll kind of like have a gaming weekend where we'll like set this weekend aside or one Friday I'll, I'll run up because I'm going up to help my dad take care of my mother and my grandmother. So I'll, it's a good excuse to go up into town, help my dad out for a little bit, and then in the evening go game with my buddies. So when you do that and you go game with your buddies, Brett, do mm. you play all three games in one weekend? No, it's usually two of those three games that usually come breaks into two different weekends. So like this coming Friday will be Ravenloft, and then the next weekend will be um, Lamentations and DCC. No wonder you're not getting any miles on your bike. I ride the bike when I go up there, dude. <laughs> well, that's true. Sometimes. Sometimes. Anyway, so I think the main reason it happened, I used well, to wait, run. Wait a minute. Wait a Sorry. minute now. Yeah. So when you game, because we didn't get into the nuance. So when you when you play in Zave's game, Mm-hmm. Right? How long is that session? You mean typically? Alpha's? Alpha's game? Oh, I'm sorry, Alpha's. He's yeah. running the Ravenloft? Alpha's running Ravenloft. You start at 5, and we end about midnight. Okay, so it's a no-shit session. Yeah, and the same with Lamentations. When I run Lamentations, you start at about 6, go to midnight, and then DCC, start at 5, go to midnight. Okay, so you're running like almost... So I would say, me, my take... A typical quote-unquote session, and if you want to know how to define a session, go over to listen to Misdirected Mark. Like, I don't know, it was like ten or fifteen episodes ago. They define like session and camp session, mostly session stuff. Like, yep. what's a session and what's all this? But I, in I, for the purpose of this discussion, I talk about a session as kind of a standard four hours because I think you can get in one in our adult lives, starting at somewhere like right after dinner time to like after kids are asleep. Seven ten o'clock local time whatever week during the week that makes sense okay and then the weekend you can put in those marathon games so Brett you're kind of running like two sessions in in on a weekend yeah because it's only once a month for those groups right <clears throat> which is why I mean one of the reasons we do that is because scheduling's hell um, as you're finding out trying to get a DCC game going with uh, Phil and a couple other folks, it, it's hard to get, it's hard to see how schedules match. And <clears throat> that's one of the reasons why when VC and I were talking, I'm like, you know, sometimes biweekly gives certain people, I know it did for me. I was, I was gaming like every Wednesday and that was just too much strain on my family stuff. You know, I, I need to be able to spend more time with my kids and do stuff with my wife and get here and do that, blah, blah, blah. I got other shit going on too with work and martial arts teaching and blah. Anyway, Schedules are hell, and sometimes every other week is easier to fit into the family schedule than every week, at least it is for me. So I can definitely see why some folks would want to do that. And then with the the games with my home group up in my hometown, it's, it takes me three hours to get up there. We really want to kind of go on. It's kind of tradition that we game like a Friday night or a Saturday evening and then go as long as we can. So because it's so rare, i.e. only once a month, you kind of make an event of it where you say, oh, we're going to show up, we're going to really get into character, we're going to really do our thing and, and keep going. I think the what that has done, for the most part, is that actually interest seems to go up with the group. Now, it sucks when somebody can't make, it's even with only being once a month, sometimes you still have people who can't quite pull it off because of scheduling or family issues or whatever. We had one uh, one person who had had a death in the family, and they had to, you know they got a funeral to go to. They can't make the game. It happens, but <clears throat> excuse me, they are. Um, I think people are when it's every other week, and even to the once a month, it becomes something you're really looking forward to. Um, 
And uh, at least that I have seen, people's interest goes up sometimes where if it's every week, I'm like, ah, I can skip this week. I can always come back next week. But when it's every other week, I find that, at least myself, I look at it saying, oh, I really don't want to miss this one because it's been a, it's been two weeks since we played last. I really want to get back in it. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you, I, so I guess, other, um, mm, instead of just asking, does it make sense, do, do you see the same thing in your type of schedule where, obviously, you were just saying you haven't played in a month, god damn it, you're getting, getting tweaked, tweaked, but do you find the anticipation of an every other week is better than every week, or does that not bother you? Well, <laughs> it depends. It depends. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> well, because it might, if the game sucks, I don't. You know, and we're playing every week. Why are you yeah. playing? Why are you playing in a game that sucks, Sean? That's just stupid. I gotta kick the DM to the curb, or maybe I just gotta start a new game. Me, maybe it's me GMing, and I've gotta like switch it up. I would say that I do have a heightened anticipation playing once every other week for sure because I have a week gap, and I know that if we don't play. That one time that we're scheduled to play that I'm going to go an entire month without playing. It's going to be three, four weeks. Which sucks. Which totally blows. To me, I can't do, you know, we're playing four hours. It's not like an eight-hour marathon where it might you might cover so much ground that, you know, missing a session's not a big deal. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think that's a really good segue into, so... Let's let's move past that for a second. And I mean, when there's quote unquote too much time goes by between games, I've heard this argument before too. Like you know, when I play once a month, I've had people. How the fuck do you remember what the hell happened last time? Yeah, that's a big one. It it, it <coughs> excuse me, players forget stuff, GMs forget stuff. Um, so I just to be honest, sometimes interest in the current game can flag, right? Because it is a month, and in between that month, you're like, oh my god, my new Kickstarter stuff showed up at my door. Oh my god, I just heard about this new thing. I start re- reading a new book or checking out a new game, and new ideas hit your head, and you're like, boy, I really wish I wasn't running this DCC thing. I could really do this other game. Um, so you can sometimes get yourself caught like that. But um, I th- think it, it there are ways to get around that. So, Sean, just let me run that again. So your players can forget stuff, your game masters forget stuff. And interest sometimes can flag, you know, when you're talking month or even yearly. And the reason I say yearly is I, I have a I have a Knights Black Agents game. They started last year at QCC with Chris Sneezak running, and we finally played our second session at Origins this last year. We all remember. Oh, so so you playing? Are you playing a con game? Like, <laughs> like you play every time you meet at a con, you play. That's pretty much what's happened. Is when we're like, okay, where we're gonna be? Well, I can't make QCC. I can't. But we're gonna, gonna. Oh, everyone's gonna be at Origins. Boom. We dropped it and uh, played there. It was a lot of fun. So you're gonna, you're gonna play next session game Holcon? Is that it? If if enough people are there, if not, I'll just we'll go back to Origins next year and do it again. So anyway, um, Sean, does that cover what you think? Or you know the the I guess what can happen between games? The players forget GMs and interest flags. Is there anything else that you can think of that would hit hit a group or cause problems? No, those are the big ones. I think and and. With that comes things that come with that. Like then you start getting people dropping off indefinitely or, yeah. I had that happen. Like I used to be those once a month, once every two months. Nah. I, I, nope. No thanks. Bye. Yeah. See ya. 
And I think that's it. That's a good point is because if you as especially if you're running the game, if um, so I guess we're kind of sliding right into how to keep things on track. Right. So one is you do the notes thing. Players take notes. GM takes notes. If you're going to do that is is uh, basic as that sounds. Don't forget to reward the players that are actually paying attention. Uh, Kevin takes incredibly good notes. I've had other players take good notes. I've also, quote-unquote, punished players. Like, I don't remember what happened last time. I'm like, didn't you write anything down? No, I thought that'd be you. Mm, no. So what do no. you do to punish him, Brett? Tell us in graphic I, detail. In graphic detail? Well, <laughs> the first thing I do, the first round goes right past our left ear. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> wow. No. Why the, the uh, left? Why the left ear, Brett? Because I'm right-handed. It's easier to just start drawing from left to right. Um, anyway... Uh, <laughs> The point is, is um, I'm like, look, if you don't want to take notes, that's fine. Or I, when when I do take notes, I I put down what I think was important, and I always tell my players if I'm doing that, I'm doing it as fast as I can. I do have a day job, I got family, we other shit to do. Please keep your own notes. If they forget something, I do not feel obligated always to come back to the guys and say, look, you um. Oh, yeah, this thing. Oh, you forgot to check into this, that, or the other thing. If they remember it halfway through the session, well, well, too damn bad. You should have made some fucking notes and paid attention. Generally speaking, though, most of the group has a pretty good memory because DCC and Lamentations I've slacked off a little bit just because uh, with changing jobs and things have been a little chaotic in the in my stuff at home just kind of with all that crap happening. Um, I haven't been able to keep as good a notes, but... I have enough of a, I have a decent enough memory, and I do keep some notes. So at the start of every session, I say, "Hey, here's what I remember happened last time." To kick everybody into gear, and then we all start talking about it. The other thing, though, honestly, to <clears throat> to help stop that, is that I start talking about scheduling the next game almost immediately after the other one's done. So we'll be done with uh, the games at, at the end of this month. We're done the next two weekends. Immediately then the next Monday is a follow-up email saying, hey, in our Google Plus community, here are the dates in August that are open to play. When do you, when can you make it? <clears throat> There's always some dicking around trying to figure out, are we over here? Are we there? Who can make this? Who can make that? But we pick a date as soon as possible and nail it, and that way it gets on everybody's schedules quickly. If you drag that out too long for a monthly game anyway, or even a yearly game, if you're going to do it that far in advance or every two months or whatever, you need to get those on the calendar as soon as humanly possible. Our standing idea is that the last Saturday of every month, whenever possible, is the game when I'm in town and I'm running. So usually all the games happen over that weekend. That way everybody knows. Usually at the end of the month we kind of plan that that's something's going to happen there. And that helps well, And that helps a lot, just having something standard that even if it's every every month that this is the the place. And then every other week, it's always the same day of the week and the same time, just, again, to get it on your calendar so you can work around it. Sorry, Sean. So how many people do you have that so, – because it's also a different ball game when you have that monthly, hey, we're going to put it on the calendar and people can make plans and make accommodations as appropriate. I'm counting. I got so five, four, three. save alpha beta. Because when that happens and you get like Kevin. middles, if you're getting four or five consistently, then it's not a big deal. But if you only have four players and you're getting like 
Well, two of them can't show up because... So back in the day, I've said this before, I've had like 13 players in a vampire game, which is <laughs> turned into a mini LARP for that entire campaign. Right now, I for my DCC game, I've got seven to eight. So what happens then is... Yeah, the so you could afford having three or four not be there. Absolutely. Even if I'm not running DCC, I'll talk about kind of how I set that game up. But even when I ran Bad Magic or I've run something a little more, quote-unquote, intense that's not um, old school, even if somebody is a heavy story, blah, 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 you can still work the story around the fact that these that these couple people are, are gone. One of the keys to doing that, I'll just throw this out there now before I forget, is that at the end of a session, if you leave a cliffhanger for the group, it has to be for the group, not just for one person being the key person. That's the thing I try to do. So I don't go, oh, uh -huh. Kevin's character is the one who has all the answers. At the end of next month, Kevin goes, I can't make it. I had a death in a family. I Somebody's getting married. Something happened. I, I just can't make it. I'm sorry. Then fuck. Now, granted, that's whatever happened. Either it's great or terrible or whatever happened in real life. But then, like, from a game perspective, you're like, God damn it. Now I got to change it around. So cliffhangers or big events like that tend to be for the group, a big thing that they all need to figure out. Um, which is the thing I started doing after getting burned <laughs> a few dozen times with, uh, oh, everything was set up and Lenny can't make it. Son of a bitch. Um, with my Lamentations game, it is Lenny, Alpha, Zave, Beta, JR. And uh, yeah, so there's only five guys there. That one, though, is is easier because it's it's just like, hey, who can make it? And we tend to play Friday evenings right after work. I work remotely that day, and then I zip over their place and get it done. But anyway, even then, if you miss one person out of a five- or six-man team, and you've got a couple of people out, and hey, you know, she can't make it, the rest of them can, great, we'll be fine. However, to your point, if you have a three-person crew, you know, and oh my god, Ange can't make it, Chris is out, uh, it's down to a game master and maybe one, two players? Uh, yeah, that's that's canceling time. Because what's happening after that, when you get groups that are that small and you're playing that, you know, once a month, you know, if you miss two months, I mean, you're playing like six, seven times a year, maybe. Yeah, that's a bit rough. Now there is, I'm oh, sorry, I was going to say it's the dedication. I've talk, we've talked about this a bit before is that obviously we're doing a podcast. We love gaming. This is a thing we're huge on. We're, we we're involved with GameholeCon. I, I run another gaming convention. We love this freaking hobby. If you're gaming with people who are not as passionate as you are about stuff, and this is where Doc and I talked about this at Gamehold one year, he's like, it just irks me to no end, Brett, when you've got these people who just treat it like a like a casual pastime and they don't put the same effort into it that I do. Um, which is one reason why online gaming can be awesome, where you can find people who shame the, share the same level of passion that you have for the hobby. You can find people who get together one session make characters, drink beer, eat pizza, and all the boys and girls go home afterwards. And then they get together two months later, say, yeah, you know what? I haven't played travel in a while. Yeah, let's well, we'll get together and play travel. And they get together, um, drink beer, eat pizza, all the boys and girls go home afterwards. And that's quote-unquote gaming for them. And uh, there's lots of groups in between that and what Sean and I like to do. And I, I think having the people who have the willingness to dedicate is big, and some, the reason this came up with VC and I was his group 
he's like, I'm having you know kind of this flagging number of people. And I said, well, maybe if people are really good, dedicated gamers, but they just can't schedule a weekly event because of work, family, whatever, whatever. So see what a biweekly would do, right? And maybe that's a, that's a key that would help get people like, yeah, I really want to be there. I totally want a game. It's just such a strain on the personal calendar for every Wednesday or every, every Saturday. I just can't do it. So then that's just another way to kind of keep those, that same level of intensity, not as often, but at least everybody who's showing up is dedicated. So I guess that's where I was going with kind of where I started this little ramble around scheduling is I try to start it as early as possible, get as many people hooked. And then through the Google plus community, which is where we've agreed to communicate then as it gets closer, we say, Hey, by the way, next week, this is happening. If you can't make it, let me know. Hey, this week, this is happening. I'm leaving this day at noon from work and I'll be up there at this point. Um, which means Brett will be posting a picture in uh, G plus of him smoking a pipe and driving North. So, as the person running the games, um, I, I feel it's my job to help try to get people amped up. Hey, it's coming. Hey, it's coming. Hey, it's here. And part of that's just my project management background is uh, warning people that stuff's coming and then war- telling them when it's actually shown up. So does that make sense, Sean? Sorry. What part? Can you repeat that one part, Brett? No. So when, when I think one one reason you what one thing you asked me is like doing it every other week. Do you find like why would you want to do it every other week? The every other week thing would probably be just to prep. If you're a prepper, if you're a GM and you like to prep, make you got to prep. That extra week gives you a prep. No, that's a very good point. Yeah, if you have a heavy duty uh, amount of preparation you need to do, um, uh, maps you want to get, you've got like oh shit, they busted through the first half of. You know, Master Nano Thotep, and I got to read the next. I got need to re. I need to re-review the next couple of chapters because they fucking went off to Singapore instead of to Africa, like I thought they would. And you've got to deal with it. Having that extra week to <laughs> to bust through freaking, the source material, layers, man. Yeah, they'll do yeah. shit like that. There's always a freaking one way to deal with that shit. Oh yeah, hand out tickets and keep them going. That's right. They don't need to know. Yeah, because not everybody likes to do the the Brett thing where you're a little more off the cuff and kind of making it up as you go. And I know there's tons of people that do. It's not just a Brett thing. But even so, if you want to read or check up on things or you've got some, th- you know, think time that you want to put into your campaign, having that, quote unquote, week off from actual gaming and just the ability to make some notes and sketch out where you think things could go. You know, I've noted that even with my monthly games, that has helped a lot just from the ability to think of different ideas and twists and what's going on and writing the notes the week after and then noodling on it, reviewing those things beforehand. Um, having that space between the game sessions has helped, I think. So that's kind of handy. Yeah, man. Good stuff, dude. No, I think it's good. But everybody should be gaming every week. I don't, you know, I don't know what the problem is. Unless you're dying. Unless you're dying. So you know what? Or you've had surgery that could cause you to die. Yeah, or the other thing, too. Or, is it, or, or you have somebody in your life that had surgery that would cause them to die. Okay. Or has I mean, died. it's not. 
I think I've got, you know, some latitude there. Some, yeah. You're either about to die or dead. Those are the only two things to keep you from the gaming table. Well, you got to set it somewhere. Exactly. (laughs) You got to set the bar somewhere. Oh, my God. Hey, mileage may vary, whatever. Exactly. To each their own. So honestly, I mean, at the end of it here, I'm I'm curious to see what our listeners have, what kind of gaming schedules you have. Sean and I have talked about, right, where we've gamed weekly or biweekly or monthly or even the <laughs> the yearly game. I'm, I'm not the only one I know or I've talked to who gets together like once a year with a certain group of people to game. Sometimes there's like a huge weekend blowout where it's all like board games and RPGs and that's what they do. I've talked to people who've done that every once in a while. And uh, I'm curious to what other people out there are doing from a scheduling perspective. We probably have, <laughs> we probably have some crazy listeners like I game every other day. You know, we've got people probably who are doing that. And you lucky bastard, um, if that's what you're able to do. Tim Jensen, man, I know he's gaming like seven times a week. I wouldn't doubt it. Tim's an Tim's an animal. That's he's why. Nutty guy. But I'm curious what people, and uh, if you have a schedule, why is it working for you? Are you just really lucky that you've got, you know, four dedicated men and women who are always willing to show up? Or um, have you found, a, you know, what's working and what's not? And the reason I ask this is because as VC and I were talking, there's, it's a it's a struggle. The struggle is real when it comes to scheduling and where we're trying to figure things out with, uh, with stuff and any um, ideas we may have. We can pass that around, and it might be something you could give a shot with your crew and see if it helps you get to the table more often and really get into things. So anyway, that's all I had, man. I think this is very easy to sum up. Here's the deal, Brett. You ready? Do it. Sum it. You, people want a game with certain people. And because they want a game with those certain people, they can only accommodate or something comes along where the accommodation and all the planets align only on certain times, at certain dates, at certain days of the month, what have you. So I think that is that is the thing. That is it right there, the core issues. Because if you don't give a shit about who you are playing with, and that's being crass, I don't mean that necessarily, but if you just, if you're, it's like a scale. On one side, you have the people you want to game with. On the other side of the scale is the frequency of which you want to game. And what happens is, is if those people on the left hand can't make it and it tilts one way or the other, you have to determine whether or not that's good enough for you. So if the scale tips too much in the, I'm not going, I'm not gaming as frequently as I would like to with the group that I want to game, then you have to make a decision to like bounce. No, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. I think there is, I want to game with these people, therefore I will make the time to game with these people, Correct. which is one of the reasons why my home group is still alive after 20 years is because we want to game with each other. Yeah, like Hobbs, you know, Jason Hobbs from Hobbs and Friends of the OSR, I mean, he runs a lot. Of, I mean, I think he said he had like 100 games last year that he ran online. Yeah, he's a promiscuous little thing. He games with anybody he's, anywhere. He doesn't he's care. Get- He's going to catch something. Yeah, he's going to catch it. He's going to get some D12s or something. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> he's going to get some D12s. Because what else do you use a D12 for? So I'm assuming it's just a, it's a problem. So. Yeah. He's. Phew, hope hope he's, they get a shot for that. Hope he's, you know, gaming with protection. But anyway. Yeah. But, but, but he will. But see, and he games with guys that he likes to game with, but they're not. I don't. I would. You know, I'm putting words into his mouth. mouth. They may not be the sole driver of when he games. That's true. And the other thing too, is that, that he's got is shorter term campaigns. I mean, we all, I shouldn't say we all, I have 
I think I've talked. I think we've talked about this before. This driver to do. Oh man, I want to run the multi-year. Oh my god, big fucking epic campaign where we go and do this huge thing. It's not hey, always. Wait a that's always easy I'm to gonna, pull off. I'm gonna roll that back, and that's gonna be the name of the next adventure we publish. What's that? Oh my god. Oh my. <laughs> God, big fucking epic, something or other <laughs> that we want to really play, or whatever you just said. <laughs> That'll be hey, great. Remember, I have to roll that back, Gus. Get that queued up. Oh, nice. But when you run, if you run a campaign or a story arc that lasts three sessions or three months, then you can hop from game to game or game group to game group, um, and not feel like you left somebody hanging, type of thing. So that's that's another piece that could be a reason why or how the schedule's working for you. If uh, you're a guy like Hobbs and you're able to hop from place to place and you're saying, look, you know, this, these, a, these men and women can can make it. Um, I might be hit or miss if, you know, Susan can make it or Emily and Chris and, you know, Sean and blah, blah, blah. How about we, you know, we'll run a three a three session campaign or a five session campaign. Then there's a definitive beginning and ending. And sometimes people sign up for something like, it's like oh, if I sign up, I'm only signing up for three months yes i can game all summer right every week all summer or no uh summer's really busy i'll bow out for the summer i'll come back in november or whatever the case is and i think by being able to tell people when you're going to start and when the campaign will end even if you don't have a definitive say look i should probably run run every month it's going to last probably 10 months can you make that January to October? Yeah, yeah, I can do January to October. Okay, then, let's do that. If that is a... That may well be a thing that helps to get people, again, to sign up early and agree to how often and uh, the overall duration because it helps people understand when things are going to end so they can plan around it, which is a big problem for scheduling in general. It's like, oh, I'm going to be doing this forever. If you're lucky, you've got a good gaming group. Yeah, you game with them until you're in the, you know, until you're in some sort of assisted living, and you're, yeah, you're doing, <laughs> you're even gaming there. But the point, I can't wait, I can't wait to retire, man. I'm gonna game every freaking day. God, that'd be awesome. <laughs> what are you doing today? I'm a freaking game. Yeah, I'm gaming. It's online, man. I can, I'll be in the be in the nursing home with my, you know, earphones on and my mic. Gosh, all right, then, you know, just do it. Come here, you old coots. We're gonna freaking play some D and D. What? What edition? Five E. Holy shit! Jesus, you guys are going old school on us. That's what that'll be. <laughs> <laughs> All right, shall we move on? Die rule. Two to two to four miscellaneous points. A game and a geeker you want to share with you, Brett? Start us off. Yeah, Xanathar's Guide to Everything, that next big Watsy book. Hey, guess where that debuts? That's right, GameholeCon 2017. Now, I don't know if you know this, Brett, so they are selling that before it's officially released, and they're selling it at GameholeCon. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It debuts there. You know, it's there before it's know, anywhere else. Do you know where the proceeds are going? I believe they're going right to Alex's pocket. No, no, no they're no. not. They're not going anywhere. Where are they going? Use. You silly goose! Where are, brat. where are they going, Sean? <laughs> they're they're donating all the proceeds to charity. I know. Is it fucking awesome? Like, not only do these guys get exclusive. Like, I saw some people bitch. Like when they first posted, they were like, "Oh, Jesus Christ! You know, like I gotta go to Game Hole to get this book early." Bra bra bra. And then it was like, and the proceeds all go to charity. 
Like how can you, how can yeah. you bitch as a follow up to that? Yeah. Oh well. Uh, good. 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 Good for you guys. You know. It, so one, they're going to sell out, and two, hopefully they make a shit ton of money for charity through the proceeds. So that's just awesome. Good stuff. I think it's going to extra life. I believe. I believe it is extra life. So. So anyway. Yeah, I was like, man, wow, double double whammy. Everybody wins. Exactly. Well, except for those that aren't there. Oh, well, too bad for them. Anyway, you should get there. Exactly. Second week, second, first weekend in November. Ask to get your ass at, get your ass to game hole, gamehole.com. So, uh, and in uh, sad news, George A. Romero has died. So the the modern zombie, the uh, uh, the god of said, uh, he has passed away. He was only seventy seven, which is kind of sad. And uh, in some kind of cool news, I'm not a huge Doctor Who fan. I've seen a number of different shows. I like it. I have not gotten into it myself, but. I know a number of people online are really fired up because the next doctor is going to be a woman. So that's kind of cool. That is the uh, that is the first non-white British man um, doctor. So that's kind of cool. Like that's neat. We had a guy. His name was Gary in high school. I was I was significantly younger than Gary. I think there was like a five year difference. So I might have been in junior high when Gary was like a senior. His name is Gary Minch, and he dressed up like, I can't remember what doctor it was. It was the guy with the real curly hair. Baker, with the scarf? Yes, yes. And he had the scarf and wore the hat, and he, I mean, and we called him Dr. What? <laughs> Dr. What? <laughs> That's kind of fun. But but yeah, anyways, I don't know why I brought that up. But anyways, Dr. Who, great. I'm not a, I'm not a Whovian, but I know the Geekosphere is blowing up about it, which is... Uh, I'm sure there's, there's there's plenty of, there's plenty of douchebaggery and there's plenty of awesomeness all around it. I just think, Hey, what the hell? I mean, you can, it's a, it's a complete angle that the, uh, Dr. Who franchise has not touched yet. They would be stupid not to do this. I'm just glad they announced it because I think people were about to lose their goddamn minds if they didn't know what the hell was going on for another month. Yeah, there was there was a lot of uh, you know uh, shit hemorrhaging going on while people were trying to figure out what the hell they were supposed to do. So all right, shit those hemorrhaging shit hemorrhage. That's the uh, those are the three I've got. Sean, over to you. All right, so best demon illustrations of all time by Eric Grunhauser. Uh, I'm going to hat tip to Forrest Gary. Uh, he posted this on Twitter, and I thought it was pretty interesting. So if you want some interesting illustrations to print off for your next game, uh, you know, get permission from Eric first. But anyways, you could see those. You could actually just pull up the website and show your players what they look like. I thought it would be kind of cool. And, you know, since we're out of the satanic panic, hey, why not show your players demons? I, I, I never stopped. <laughs> so demons, demons for everybody. Exactly. All right. Uh, let's see. We'll alternate on these, Brett. So, listener Kevin Lovecraft points out uh, to the complete audiobook collection of ever H.P. Lovecraft story. Every, every, every H.P. Lovecraft story. So, I think that's free. It's out in the public no, domain. No, I'm, no, it's I'm, not free. It's not free. No, this audiobook collection is do, 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 do. the collector's edition runs seventy five. The download, the full collection is fifty, and wow. the uh, select titles is only twenty. But it's what, what, what website is that on? That is on the HP Lovecraft Historical Society. Oh, interesting. I thought it was the open. Uh, the uh... nope, it is not. It is not at all. 
this is not 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 this, but I'm saying I thought the HP Lovecraft library was in public domain. It well could be, but this is probably because I think you can get the audiobooks maybe on a different format for free. But I may be mistaken, like archive.org or something. I don't know. Don't know, but uh, these these folks do good work. So anyway, take a look. Yes. Link in the old show and, notes. And then he also posted a rare spellbook manuscript detail, detailing how witchcraft was done in the 17th century. But they're looking for folks to translate it. So I guess a couple witches wrote something and they're like, hey, we're not sure what it says. Ooh. You know, this episode, these... These uh, die rolls, yeah, it's totally satanic panic, man. Somebody's <laughs> mom or dad are gonna listen to this, and they'll be like, "Nah, you're not, you're not playing that game anymore." <laughs> Probably not. All right, Eli Kurtz put out a micro RPG based on his two, 2017 two hundred word RPG challenge. You're the master of a clan of ninjas sworn to enmity against a rival clan since ancient times. Upon fields of battle strewn with caltrops, you have clashed countless times over the centuries. When the gods and the kami have reserved, uh, served as witness to your secret war. Finally, the end draws near. When the dust settles, only one ninja master will remain. Caltrops! Link in the show notes. See, Brett, you gotta do movie voice with that. Oh, no, that's just... Yeah. You're, like, right there. Your natural voice is almost movie voice. You just gotta slow it down. Yeah, you gotta slow it down. Slow it down. Make it real suspenseful. Okay, all right, I'll work on yeah. that. Yeah. The master of a clan of ninjas sworn to enemy. <laughs> when the dust settles, only one ninja master will remain. Caltrops. Caltrops. Shane Freeman supplies us with six ways to use a lost family in Ravenloft. That title does not make any sense to me, and I don't know if I copied it wrong. Yes, it's use uh, six ways to use six- a lost family in Ravenloft. <laughs> God damn it, Sean. English English is hard. Oh, I'm such a mess. Reading's tough. <sighs> Riff. Shane Freeman supplies us with six ways to use a lost family in Ravenloft by Matthew Barrett. So if you're running Ravenloft, it is a definite must read. Um, and if you're playing, maybe not so much. Oh, probably not. Jared Rasher called out the Schwab Entertainment, that is uh, Rob Schwab of uh, um, Demon Lord, Shadows of Thereof fame, uh, posts a list where you can find spells, paths, ancestries, and monsters on their website from time to time when new products come out for Shadows of the Demon Lord, or Shadow, excuse me, of the Demon Lord. So link in the show notes to that as well. And lastly, Bruce Cunnington points us to a 25-year-old Chinese sword that still looks and cuts like new. An article by Stephanie Chang, link in the show notes for you to reference that. That's really, I love that stuff. You find like these ancient Chinese artifacts like this one and all these, just like, oh yeah, this thing, it's incredibly cool. It's really well preserved and it's, you know, just in incredible shape. How the hell? That's just awesome. Yeah, somebody probably picked it up at a garage sale. Probably. That's how those things go. Every time. Every Flea time. Market. It's a resale store. Hey, so I want to shout out to Chris Johnson for the generous donation. Thank you so much, Chris, for throwing us a few bones. We definitely appreciate it, and it was very generous. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I mean, Sean and I love – we love our patrons. We love all our listeners. You guys are awesome. You men and women do – I mean, just do some great stuff supporting us just by listening, writing in, telling your friends, and – the the money basically just it helps Sean and I cover costs you know it helps us cover the the beer that we want to get at Game Hole it helps us cover some swag we want to give people who are there 
and hosting fees and stuff. It's just, honestly, I'm, we're both very humbled that anybody thinks we're doing anything cool enough to actually support us. So that's really, really cool. Thank you, all the men and women who do that. You guys, you folks are awesome. So thank you very much. Good aces. Damn right. Aces! All right, Brett, man. What are we talking about next week, dude? You know, I got a couple different thoughts in my head. Edwin uh, threw me for a loop there when he talked about um, translating from one game system to another. So uh, that might throw me off. You know what? I'm not quite positive yet, Sean. That threw me off there. So, Edwin, you you demon man, you. If it's that topic, the question that Brett's going to say, so, Sean. Have you ever translated one game system to another before? <laughs> Sean will be like, it depends. No. <laughs> All right. Well, we must move on, Brett. We shall We shall move on. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following patrons. Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Jeff Rademacher, Forrest Aguirre, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Knights of the Night Crew, Palladian, Remy Billado, Jason Hobbs Hobbs, Wayne Humphrey, James Carpio, not Caprio, Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnston, Eric Tankar, Brandon Barnes, Mark Tasaka, Tim Shorts, Dan Lavalley, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Eli Kurtz, Lost Sailor, Graham Miner, Todd McGowan, Roger Brasslett, Misdirected Mark Productions, Old School DM, Jason, Christopher Gray, Finolf, Ray Otis, Merkel Froilich, Eileen Barnes, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Todd Crapper, Michael Parker, Jim Fitzpatrick, Michael Drescher, Wiss Static, Alexander Auerbach, Rodrigo Beowulf, Neil Benson, Ron Blessing, Evan Harrison Cass, Chris Steele, Eric the Hoff Hoffman, Jared Rasher, Stefan Dragonspawn, Soldiers of Misfortune RPG, Christopher Lang, and Curtis Takahashi... For the cost of a coffee shop coffee, you can support the show for an entire month. Consider heading over to GamingNBS.com forward slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thank you, patrons. Thank you, listeners. This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.